0: Awesome. to thank everyone who served at Grace Loves Auburn. Food giveaway over 20,000 pounds. That's relationships, love our neighbors, meet our neighbors, and as we serve God's presence in a special way. I hope that it's not just an event, but it's an overflow into our lifestyles. Live, work, learn, or play. Let's be generous together, especially at a time like this. This summer we're going through the book of Isaiah. I hope you're enjoying God's word. I encourage you to read through the entire book. Today we're in Isaiah chapter 43. Now the prophet is looking ahead 700 years before Christ and he paints a picture of who Jesus is, how Jesus serves, how he saves. In Isaiah chapter 43, Jesus redeems. This is good news and a reminder that Jesus is good all the time and all the time, truly, Jesus is good. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you for our neighbors. Thank you for our church family. Thank you, God, that you're moving and powerful, even in a time like this. Thank you that we can trust you. Our hope is in you. And most of all, thank you, God, for loving us continually, patiently unconditionally, you meet us where we're at, you supply what's missing, and I pray, God, that you would restore today, that you would give fresh vision today, your word, God, would sink in deep to our souls, and we would follow you together. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God is our Redeemer. Over 12 times in the prophet Isaiah, in that book, it's proclaimed, God is our Redeemer. Now that's good news, but what does that mean? To redeem means to rescue, to purchase, to buy back. It also means to gain or regain through payment. All of our lives and for eternity, it's going to be sinking in more and more that Jesus redeems. He has redeemed. He is redeeming. We're working it out. And then there's the fullness. He will redeem us. There's going to be a consummation in his presence, seeing him face to face in the kingdom. Finally, uh, complete restoration. And all of that is promised. Why? Because God loves us. Before we love him and know him, God loves us, pursues us, takes the initiative, demonstrates the love on a cross. Jesus dies for us in our place, sacrifice that pays for all of our sins. There's a redemption with a cost. It was his blood. He purchased us. Now we're his in his family forever, forgiven, accepted, loved, secure, and have an eternal destiny with him. That's powerful and it affects every part of our lives. We want to take in that good news. It's true. It's real. We want to soak up and savor that good news as we draw close to Jesus together. Today, in our time, we're going to look at Jesus redeems three essential aspects. We want to experience more of Jesus' redemption, and these three aspects, we want to highlight them and enter into them together. Not just study them, but live them out together. First, let's look at the need the need for redemption. All of us have a need for redemption. And redemption might sound like a stained glass word. Maybe you've been praying lately, Lord, please redeem this mess. Is there any situation in your life where you're crying out to God right now? Could you redeem this, God? Could you help this? Could you turn this around? I need you, Lord. Prayer is a cry. And yes, there's a theologically rich term like redemption. But in our lives each day, we're also crying out to God for him to redeem. We have a great need and God knows this. Look at Isaiah chapter 43, starting in verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God says, but now. The timing's important. It's a tone of hope. Maybe you need some hope. It's a fresh word. We need communication from the Lord. But now, God communicates, and it's clear, and it's on time, and it's a right now word that he wants us to receive in our souls, in our hearts, in our minds. Thus saith the Lord. It's something you read throughout Scripture. With confidence, we know God speaks in a loving way and also with authority. Thus saith the Lord. All of the Bible, 66 books, is God's word. God also communicated through the prophets. And when they declare, thus saith the Lord, it means that God has revealed it to the prophets. They are his mouthpiece messenger and we can receive it from God, the Holy Spirit working through prophets like Isaiah and communicating that to us. But now, for such a time as this, here's a word from the Lord. And what did God say? God said in that passage that there will be tests. He says the water, the rivers, the fire, the flames, there's some parallelism there. There's some emphasis there. In other words, we're going to go through some very intense tests. And as we go through those tests, we're going to feel sometimes very overwhelmed. Do you have any situations right now in your life that look bad, that feel bad? Maybe they just are bad. The river, the fire, the water, the flame. God says we're gonna go through it. He doesn't always prevent it, but he's with us as we walk through it. And that's the verb, walk through, pass through. Keep moving forward with God, keep trusting God in the middle of those tests. For the nation, the Israelites, They knew about tests. They knew about being mistreated. Maybe you've been mistreated recently. That was slavery in Egypt, they were mistreated. They knew about the tests in the desert and the wilderness and the wandering. And in their hearts, they knew they lacked faith. And maybe you're lacking faith to move forward and you felt stuck. And then they knew about their rebellion. Together, instead of staying united, There was fighting in 10 tribes in the north, Israel, two in the south, Judah, and then the 10 captured by Assyrians, 722, as they go into exile and they're scattered and they're not gonna return to the land. And then the two southern tribes captured by Babylon, 586, and as they go into exile, they're also realizing their need for redemption and returning to the land. In the history of the nation, for the Israelites, they know what it's like to need redemption. And in our country, we have a history that we both celebrate but are also very realistic about what's happened in the history of our country, and we see God's hand and how he's bringing more redemption, and we need more redemption and change today. We need more unity and love today. We can relate on a national level. In 2020, what a year of waters and fire and flame and rivers. Uh, During this year, maybe you've been praying, God, I'm in distress God, I need you, Lord. I need a rescue, and I want to encourage you that a great place to go during times like this is on your knees, and you just cry out with humility and prayer and fasting, and you just open up your soul to God, and you repent from your sins, and you turn to God, and God brings healing in our land. So many times for the Israelites, they would get down on their knees, seek God, return to God, crying out with a great need. You're not gonna overwhelm God with your emotion, You're not going to overwhelm God by crying out fervently or too often. You're not going to overwhelm God with truth. He already knows all the truth. Come to him humbly, genuinely, honestly. He'll meet you there. It's part of the story of redemption that God is writing in times like this. And what else can we do as we pray and cry out to God? We can also remember his track record. It is good to remember the faithfulness of the Lord. God is faithful in every generation. And there's a psalm, Psalm 107. You can read the entire psalm this week. Psalm 107 is the story of how God redeems again and again and again. I think you'd be encouraged. Let's take a look at the first six verses in Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. What you see in Psalm 107 is that God delivers when there is a lack. God delivers when they're wandering. God delivers when there's rebellion, and He forgives. God delivers when there's a storm. And again and again, God rescues. We have a God who rescues, and that's part of the story of who God is in our journey and when we read about how he's done it over and over again like Psalm 107 we're strengthened we're encouraged and we have hope for the current crisis. I, I want you to have hope for the current crisis that's based on who God is what he's done what his word is today and how we know the future is going to bring him glory and that's what Isaiah is laying out for us Uh, Maybe you're not feeling encouraged today. Maybe you're feeling a lot of loss. If I had to summarize in one word what many people are feeling right now, it's loss. And I'm not just talking about Pac 12 sports in the fall, uh, although you might be grieving that loss. Uh, Let me list some of the other losses that a lot of people are feeling right now. And how many of these can you relate to? A loss of some freedoms, a loss of health, a loss of some finances loss of a job, loss of a loved one, loss of some peace, loss of my preferences, loss of hope, loss of opportunities, loss of friends, loss of purity, loss of closeness with God. There's a lot of things right now that people have lost. When we lose things, how do we feel? Two emotions. One is sadness and one is anger. Now, sadness... It's not a sin to be sad, but sadness can lead to despair, and we don't want to get caught in a trap of despair. Anger, the Bible says in your anger don't sin, so it's not wrong to be angry or feel frustrated. But then does it lead to rage? Does it lead to attacking people? Does it lead to revenge? Uh, We don't want to end up in a place of despair or a place of hurting other people right now. And a lot of people are going there. Why? Because deep down they're in pain and they've lost a lot. So what do we do when we lose? Uh, When there's things in life or people in life that are so dear to us and we feel like we're losing them or they're gone, freedoms are gone, what do we do? Not despair, not lashing out against other people. That's going to be the temptation. That was a temptation for the Israelites as well. But what we see is that even in devastation, God brings hope. There's a need for redemption, slavery in Egypt. God leads the people as Pharaoh's army chasing them through the Red Sea. Wandering in the wilderness, there's devastation, but God leads the people to cross the Jordan. And then there's the hope, God's delivering again. As they go into the promised land, there's a devastating view of the armies there in Jericho, but then there's hope as they walk around Jericho and God brings down the walls. There's devastation with rebellion and exile, but then the deliverance comes and they return to the land. That's the pattern you see in Scripture. We have a great need, a great need for God's redeeming power, his redeeming grace. What is your need today in terms of God redeeming and doing a great work in your life to deliver and rescue? Can you be honest with God? I'll I'll tell you, uh, growing up there was a root beer, A&W root beer, and I think of A&W, admit your need and then wanting God's help. That's where it starts. I, I should just pause there because that is so essential. You know, a lot of times churches will put together programs and different events. But you know what? Spiritually, we're not going to go deep until we admit our need for God. And we want his presence. We want his power, his deliverance, his redeeming. When we get hungry, God moves. That's what we see in Scripture. When people get hungry, God moves. If people aren't hungry and they're not willing to admit their need and they don't seek him and want his help, it's a very different scenario, a very different trajectory in our spiritual lives. So it's a very, very good place to be right now if you know that you need Jesus to redeem and you want Jesus to redeem. Because when you admit it and you want it and you seek him, God moves in power. And that's what Isaiah, for his generation, that was the truth. And it's the same truth for our generation today. First, there's the need with redeeming. We admit it. We want Jesus. And then what's next after the need? The second essential piece with Jesus redeeming is the receiving the receiving of his grace and power and rescue. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 43. I'm going to read some different passages in Isaiah. And as I share these verses, I want you to just open your heart and also realize God's heart because it's revealed through these verses. God redeems. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 4. Since you are precious and honored in my sight. How does God view you? You are precious. You are honored in his sight. And because I love you, he says. God says, I love you. He puts words on it and and action. And it's, it's consistent throughout your whole life. That's the voice of the Lord saying, I love you. I love you. He says, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Don't be afraid for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons and daughters from afar, my daughters and sons from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God is gathering his people from exile, from distant places to be near to him. And then the next chapter, Isaiah chapter 44, starting in verse 22, God paints this picture through Isaiah. He says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests, and all you trees. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. I love that picture of all of nature celebrating. What are they celebrating? That sinners are forgiven, that sinners are returning to God in finding redemption, forgiveness, and peace. And that's what God's doing right now. That's his heart. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 20, We read, leave Babylon, flee from the Babylonians. Announce this with shouts of joy and proclaim it. Send it out to the ends of the earth. Say the Lord has redeemed his servant. All those passages, God's goodness and love, he pursues us, he redeems, and this tone of great joy. God's redemption is filled with joy and it's personal and it's also national. I pray for our country. I hope you're praying for our country right now. For an awakening, for a revival, for the joy of the Lord to return in our land. Uh, We see over and over again for the Israelites, a returning to God in a redeeming. Let's think about everyday life and make it real simple, make it real plain. Maybe you have some bread in your house. Maybe you have some bread that no one's eating, no one's interested in. And it's been sitting there. It's not quite moldy, but it's hard. No one wants it. It's stale. And as people see the bread, at least in our house, when bread is sitting out and it reaches that state, no one really is interested. No one wants it. It's just sitting there alone. It doesn't look like it has any use or value. But God has a vision for our lives. God brings provision. And real simple, but take a look at uh, this picture right here. Starting out with that bread that nobody wanted, what happens, God provides some eggs. God provides milk if you like milk, if that's part of your recipe. God provides some cinnamon. It's always good to have a little bit of cinnamon. And you take it and and it starts to soak in that goodness and soak in the goodness of the Lord. And then you add some heat and you put a little butter on there. Now things are warming up and it's cooking. And then you take it off the grill. And when you bring it off the grill, now you better add some bacon as well. It's just getting better now. So that piece of bread that was going to be thrown away, now look at how it's living. Now look at what's going on. And then the kids smile. And then the kids are going to taste this. Then there's going to be joy. There's not going to be much left in a minute. What just happened? This stale piece of bread had been redeemed. And now there's goodness all around. But that piece of bread had to receive and soak up the heat and the eggs, and the cinnamon, and now you got joy in the house again. That's a piece of French toast. There's redemption in a breakfast story, Uh, but that gives you an everyday picture. I want to emphasize that you really need to receive. If you're one of the 12s, you might think about Steve Largent, Bobby Ingram, or you might be thinking Doug Baldwin. Depends what age you are. Maybe all three. You've been a long-term fan. You just didn't join in after they won the Super Bowl, but you're thinking about catches, and receiving, and You know, there comes a time where you can watch other people receive, but then you've got to receive for yourself. And maybe you've been watching other people receive from the Lord, and it's time to open up your hands, your heart. It's time to open up your soul and say, Lord, I want to receive. Teach me how to receive. Jesus, you redeem, and I'll receive. And that's the relationship. That's our role. Spurgeon said it this way. We need to know this truth. God, who counts the stars and he calls them by their names, is in no danger of forgetting his own children. God, who knows the stars and names the stars, you are much more important and much more beautiful than the stars at night, and he knows your name. He's not going to forget you. You say, well, what if I feel forgotten during this year? What if I feel forgotten? That's the tension. Let's go back to the Word. When we feel forgotten, let's go back to the Word. 1 Peter chapter 1 Starting in verse 3, Peter was encouraging people who were going through a lot of difficulties, persecution, testing. And Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So be secure in your relationship with God. Be secure in your identity that you are a son or daughter of God through Jesus Christ. Be secure in the resurrection. Be secure in your future and the inheritance. And even that he shields you. Now that might lead to more tension again because if you're mistreated, and you're hurting and you feel like you've lost so much you might not feel shielded there's been times in my walk with god where i've really wrestled with how shielded am i god what does your shield look like because i feel like i'm getting pelted with darts and they sting and they hurt there's some blood there's some wounds and what is going on with the shield maybe you felt that way And how do you process that in your relationship with God? That's going to be one of those really important things in terms of processing. For the people Isaiah is sharing with, uh, you know what happened? They were mistreated. They were tortured. They were captured. They were killed. So how do you reconcile people who love God are being killed, and yet the word says he's a shield? What does this look like? And, And I want to tell you, as you think about three ways that the scenario plays out, Sometimes God brings a miracle and the Red Sea parts, the Jordan River, they walk across it, the walls of Jericho fall. It's a miraculous story. That happens sometimes and we celebrate God for that. But then another route is one of endurance where it's not gonna be an easy path and sometimes the path gets more difficult, but God keeps supplying in endurance and capacity and we walk through the fire. And then a third route is that we die. We simply die. Now, even in that we go into glory, but death is brutal. Sickness is brutal. And there's no promise that we're not going to physically die. When we're born again, Peter says, that's a spiritual, eternal life, but we still go through a physical death. And so will you trust God for miracles? Will you trust God for endurance? And will you trust God when even the path leads to death? And how do you walk with God? It is truly a faith walk. It is a faith walk. And sometimes when you're going through a real trial, you don't know which way it's going to play out. But yet, here's what's important. Take a posture of receiving. God, whatever the final results are going to be, I'm going to take a posture of receiving. And I'm going to receive from you. And this is what I found to be true. That his presence is there. He never leaves us. And I'll tell you what. When you draw close to God, what you realize is his presence is greater than the circumstance. And deep inside, in in the deepest part of your being, you know I'm okay. Why? Because of his presence. And that's powerful. When you know because of his presence, I'm okay, even if it's the path that's going to lead to death, I'm okay in his presence. But God gives us more than his presence. He gives us provision. And he gives us encouragement. It could be a friend. It could be a scripture. It could be through the Holy Spirit. Could be a good meal, some French toast. Uh, Could be a Super Bowl victory. I mean, God provides joy in so many ways in our lives and it's important to receive that love from other people and receive that provision from God. Now you have his presence, he sustains, his grace is sufficient. You have his provision, you keep receiving his presence, his provision, it's sufficient. And eventually, you'll have the fullness of his presence, you'll see Jesus and you'll see the fullness of his provision and that's the story of redemption. Redemption. The Bible, 66 books, it's a story of Jesus. It's a story of Jesus redeems. There's a lot of stories that are interwoven as part of that great story. Adam and Eve, they chose sin and rebellion. They lived in a garden where God was there and provided everything, but they chose sin and rebellion. And they received grace, and there was a covering. When you continue to go through the Bible, you might read the book of Ruth. And Ruth lost her husband, Ruth was gracious to take care of her mother-in-law, Naomi. And as she traveled and went to a new land with Naomi, she came to know God. And not only that, but she served Naomi and God raised up a kinsman redeemer, a goel. And that goel, that kinsman redeemer, Boaz, took care of Sometimes the redeemer would bring a family member out of slavery, sometimes it would be providing in widows, like like Ruth and Naomi, and that redeeming, God's plan, a kinsman redeemer, to help and restore and buy back what was lost in terms of uh, providing for and protecting a loved one. That's a story, powerful story of redemption. You can read also the book of Hosea. Hosea Hosea's a prophet. God said to Mary, Gomer, Gomer left her husband Hosea went in and started sleeping around, prostitution. Hosea had to go down and buy back, redeem, purchase, regain his wife off a line, a prostitution line. He bought his wife back. It's a picture of God's love for the nation at that time and God's love for us that he sent Jesus. And you see with Paul, he killed Christians. The resurrected Jesus uh, redeemed him. Zacchaeus took advantage of a lot of people, selfish. Jesus redeemed him. All these stories of redemption. What's your story of redemption? Have you told anyone your story? Receiving grace from Jesus is part of the great story. Throughout the generations, Jesus redeems. That story echoes throughout the pages of the Bible. That story continues to powerfully change lives, transform lives around this nation and around the world. And it's leading to this symphony of praise. And we'll get to that at the end of the message. But Jesus redeems. We need to receive his redemption. And and let me summarize it by saying this The more that you've lost, the more you need to receive. And then the more you receive, the more grace you're going to extend. How does redemption work? The more that you've lost, the greater the need. And with the greater the need, the more you need to receive. Maybe that's where you are right now. You feel like I've lost so much. The need is so great. Today, start to receive. Maybe you've been receiving for a while, and the receiving, and it's starting to really build up, and the joy and the hope is starting to overflow, and you're going to start extending. But Jesus will meet you at each point the loss, the need, the supplying, the receiving, and the extending. This is the story of the redemption of the Savior. It's the story of how He works in our lives. The need, the receiving. Now let's uh, conclude with the extending. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 43. And take a look at verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I and not some false God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? You are secure in the love of God and in his redemption. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. You're in his family forever. You're chosen and you're called. God says, you are my witness. A witness is someone who's going to share their story. A witness is someone who's going to share about who God is. God says, you are my witness. And in the most intense fires, whether it's persecution, pandemic, whatever the fire looks like, you're his witness. And you're called and you're chosen. I was thinking of an example from a pine tree and a pine cone, think of a jack pine. Now in the forest, sometimes fires blaze and it looks like the forest is wiped out. It looks like right, hope is gone, the trees are gone, but this is how God made that pine cone. God made the pine cone so that when heat comes it would open up and there's seeds in the pine cone that because of the heat and the fire in the opening, the seeds come forth, the seeds hit the ground and God raises up more trees. God raises up more oaks of righteousness as we read in Isaiah. That when that fire and intensity comes, you're like a pine cone. That's a compliment, really it is. You're like a pine cone that God has already put things in you that are gonna come out during the fire that are gonna lead to life for other people. In that testing, trust God. With what he's given you what he will give you and there's a regeneration that happens in redemption now, I want to encourage you from Isaiah chapter 49. This is a chapter that has been uh, so meaningful for me and really impacted my life in terms of understanding who Jesus is. And then also, uh, for me, it was a big step to follow Jesus. I didn't have, in my family, people weren't following Jesus. And so it, it was a, a courageous step in, in terms of uh, something so new. And, and then going, for me, I played soccer, and then I got really sick in Africa. Going into ministry to be a pastor, that was another step where it's like, Lord, I'm really, you know, as a stage I just don't want to fall off, but God, I'm stepping way out on a limb. And Isaiah chapter 49 has been a chapter that spoke to my heart, and I think it will build you up too. Now, we think about uh, who Jesus is, and this is a chapter about the servant of the Lord. In verse 3, he said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand and my reward is with my God. Jesus on the cross trusted the Father's plan. And even though he was mocked, even though there were lies that all this is done in vain, he's not saving himself, what do we know? Jesus, he redeemed anyone who would put their trust in him. And there was a great work that was done, I believe, that some of the greatest works that God is doing in you and through you, there's going to be a little lie or someone's going to tell you or you're going to battle that internal voice saying it's a waste of time. No good is coming from this. You're a failure. It's a voice of shame. It's a voice of defeat. It's not the voice of the Lord. And what I want to tell you clearly is it's not in vain. Even if the road of following Jesus is painful, it's not in, in vain. Even if serving people is painful sometimes, it's not in vain. Even if the fruit comes much later and you don't see it right away, it's not in vain. If you're serving behind the scenes and no one's appreciating you, I want to tell you, it is not in vain. Just like it wasn't in vain when Jesus died on the cross, the work you're doing for the Lord is not in vain. And then here's an encouragement in terms of vision and what God has for you. In verse five, And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore just the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth." It would be too small. God's love cannot be contained in just the 12 tribes in the Israelites. But instead, through Jesus, there's going to be ministry to the Jews and Gentiles. And even that dividing wall of hostility will be broken down because of Jesus. Don't settle for too small of a thing. I think there's a lot of people who are like, well, God doesn't want to do much with me. He wants to do just a little God will give you a vision frequently. He'll have you start out something. Trust Him. But He's going to grow it. And when He grows it, even if you can't plan it all, figure it out, add it all up, make it just super nicely packaged, trust the Lord in what He's calling you to. Trust the Lord. That's the bottom line. From a gloomy mess to glorifying the Messiah. From the gloom to the glorifying. That's the process of redemption. Isaiah chapter 9. Listen, here's the gloom mentioned. Nevertheless, in verse 1, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. That's good news to receive right now. That's hope. Why? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and this is Jesus. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And there's a reference there to Galilee where Jesus is going to do his ministry. That Jesus is transforming us. We don't stay in gloom and despair. No, because of Jesus and his, his light, He shines in our lives. We have purpose and we start to glorify Him. I'll tell you why I'm encouraged uh, these days because I see God moving. I see God moving in our church. And it doesn't look exactly like it did six months ago, but I see people fasting and praying. I see people getting to know their neighbors in loving their neighbors. I see people hungry right now. I see people that want to do something. What can we do together to make a difference right now? And I see people staying connected through letters and phone calls and visits. And sometimes even if a mask is on, I see people going out of their way to love someone. I see people using social media and I see people digital ministry right now. I'm so thankful. I, you know, before six months ago, I felt like, well, I could see the people in the room. Now I feel like in every church, The whole city is in the room. That's just what God's done. I got a call from Spirit 105.3 this week just saying, could could you gather together pastors that would even preach and and bring a message to encourage Seattle? I, I see baptisms in downtown Seattle. What I see is and, and it's not obvious at first, but I see something growing. I see it growing. I see awakening. And, you know, food is being distributed. What's happening is people following Jesus are starting to realize we've got to live it out. It's 24-7. We're, we've got to, in our neighborhoods, make a difference. We, we want to see God's grace extended and, and around the sound and even to the nations. Uh, digitally and in person, God is opening up new doors I'm not discouraged. I know there's a readjustment and a pause and a pulling back, but I see, just like Isaiah's seeing, this return and this redemption. I see um, right now, uh, I truly believe if we do what? Admit our need, we turn to Jesus hungry and seek him, we receive from the Lord, I believe the nation's going to be changed. I believe this is the greatest challenge, maybe, that Grace Community Church has ever been through. I mean, think about that. Since our history in the 1950s, this might be the greatest challenge. And I also believe this is the greatest opportunity. I'm not going to sit here and say this is easy. These are easy days. These might be the most intense. Water, flames, fire, rivers. It might be more. But God says, I am with you. We're going to walk through this. And Jesus redeems. Jesus is redeeming now. And I believe his work is accelerating even in the trial. And uh, take that to heart since I could keep going with many more stories, not to mention our international partners overseas and the 40 international partners, but God is on the move. And the people then and today, we need to take that in. Uh, God is on the move. Let me uh, close by just checking and also asking, what's the ultimate in your life? Because Revelation chapter five, verse nine, we get this picture of full redemption and we see they sang a new song You are worthy, Jesus, to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain. There's the redemption. There's the purchase. There's the price. It was his blood. With your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language, people, and nation. And what truly brings you the most joy in life? Another way of saying it, what are you all about? What are you living for? If I asked you, what do you need to be fulfilled in life? What would you say? If I asked you what's the good life, what would you say? And I believe that when the ultimate in our lives is to be abiding with Jesus, bringing our needs, receiving from him, walking closely with him, and then extending his grace, glorifying him, I believe you'll be most fulfilled, most alive, not self-consumed, but with the Savior. And if you truly believe that, and take a step in that direction. Start to align your life with what is your ultimate. What is the ultimate life? Our ultimate purpose? Our ultimate joy? What ultimately redeems? What ultimately heals a, na- a nation? What ultimately brings hope? And there's an internal, deep internal shift. To say, God, my ultimate Jesus is to walk close with you. And as I'm receiving from you, extend your grace as widely and deeply as possible. And God, even if it starts small, forgive me sometimes when I miss the opportunities, but God, start to work in me. Jesus, we bring to you our need. Jesus, we receive from you today. In Jesus, we extend your grace. Jesus redeems. Let's praise him. What I've really been describing is a revival. Redemption and revival go together. And we're going to sing about the God of revival Uh, Let's go ahead and, and pray to the Lord, and then we'll proclaim his goodness in song. Father God, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for reviving our hearts, even in a crisis, God. Thank you that you bring hope. God, that you stir our souls. Thank you, Jesus, that we can seek you even in need. And God, right now, we lift up our hands together, and we admit our need. We're not ashamed of our need. We admit our need. We seek you, Jesus. You bring living water. We want to drink deeply of your living water. We wanna receive. God, we need refreshment. We need your provision. We need more of your presence. We need your healing, God. We need your power. And we're coming thirsty, God. We're coming hungry, God. We've got no substitute. We've got nothing like you. Nothing like you. And so we seek you, and with joy, God, we're going to receive, freely receive. God, take down the walls, take down the bitterness, take down uh, the callous that's on our hearts, God, just remove it so that we can receive and start to revive and renew and restore like only you can, Jesus. And we'll sing your praises as you do this work, transform us together as your family. We pray this in your name, Lord, amen.